0: Welcome to Pin the Cube Productions. If you are interested in the culture of the fire service and keeping tradition alive, you have come to the right place. Now sit back and relax with your brothers and sisters and enjoy the show.
1: My name is uh, Police Officer Ali Klamassi, I'm with the Port Authority Police ARF unit at Newark Airport. Uh, I've been an ARF officer for about six years, a police officer with the Port Authority since 2002. Before then, I was a New York City cop for about three years. I came into the ARF unit in uh, 2014 when the unit was uh, started, or when it was expanded, and uh, I haven't looked back since. It's it's been very enjoyable, Uh, I enjoy working around the aircraft, I enjoy doing the firefighter and police function that my job entails. Uh, we're a pretty unique job in that we do both police and firefighter functions. So, when you went to the police academy and graduated, did you have any aspirations to become a
0: firefighter
1: at that time? Uh, no, no. i I was a, a. All I ever wanted to do was become a cop. Uh, when I came onto this job in '02, was it was kind of, um, I wasn't expecting it. We went through the police academy and, and we learned basic firefighter uh, by firefighting techniques and uh, basically, you're a basic firefighter. Uh, they're not structural but basically uh, put on a Scott air pack and, and and put on your bunker gear and and do we have to do to rescue people affect the rescue isn't that what's so great about the Port Authority that it
0: gives you multiple options uh, outside of just being a police officer which in itself is a, a heroic job but on top of that you're also opening other doors like firefighting and other type of rescue uh, situations right uh,
1: It was it was wonderful I, I mean just the fact that I, I got this firefighting training. I, I grew to enjoy it and it put me into a unit like this, an ARF unit where uh, I work around these aircraft. that work in an airport environment, something that I always want to do. Um, I, I, can't, I can't ask for anything better than this. Sarge,
0: tell me about the, how you got involved in this and then from what I understand, you just recently graduated from the fire academy?
2: Yeah, um, my name's John Madigan, uh, Sergeant, Port Authority Police, assigned to the Aircraft Rescue Firefighting Unit. Um, I got out of training uh, in March of this year, Uh, 19 years on patrol, Uh, what's great about this job is it gave you an opportunity, before getting stale on patrol and lethargic, have an opportunity to kind of change the pace and jump into the firefighting. Uh, They give you about a three month academy uh, of firefighting. Uh, Currently, I'm assigned to Newark Airport and Teterboro Airport, which are two totally different animals uh, when it comes to the firefighting and rescuing. Uh, Up here, you're dealing with the larger commercial jets. Up at Teterboro, we have the smaller private jets. Uh, So, total two different dynamics. This is a
1: Singapore airline. It's, uh, it's the longest flight in the world, non-stop flight. It's anywhere from 17 and a half to 18 and a half hours, depending on winds. Um, and depending on the winds they're going to do, the pull around or not. This is a non-stop flight directly to Singapore. They have at least two sets of crew. Uh, one crew is flying, obviously, at any one time, and the other crew is in a crew rest area. This is, all, this is all economy plus or, um, or higher because they, they, they have so much fuel in this size aircraft that they can't have uh, a normal, normal flight for an Airbus A350 might have 300 people. This aircraft is going to have about 160, 170 people just because of the amount of fuel that they need to uh, complete that flight. So oh, this was sort of the similar one this morning, right, Made the alert? Uh, yeah. We had, a, we had an MD-11 alert this morning, so we had the three-engine. So as you're driving, obviously you're staying away from the aircraft, but you also have to mm-hmm. worry about the wings and all different structures. Done vertical stabilizer, horizontal stabilizer, you, you have to you have to know your clearance from, from these uh from obviously the wings. You're, you're very high, you can clip it and just run it right away. If, if, if
2: we cut them off, it's a pretty big deal. We have to be retrained to go through the whole process of learning uh, the
1: rules of the taxiway. Obviously, the aircraft don't have directional signals, so that's what experience comes. You know, you, you, you kind of know where the aircraft are going by what gate they turn out of, if, if they landed or took off, um, which way they're going if there's if there's handlers coming out with wands. We, we use all these these uh, visual cues <laughs> to kind of have an idea where the aircraft are going before they go that way.
0: Welcome back to Pending podcast here at Newark Airport, uh, well known as the EWR. I'm here with the sergeant who has been showing us uh, this awesome piece of apparatus and uh, obviously we've never done anything like this before at an airport and it has been uh, quite the adventure so far. So Sarge, you were kind of showing us some of the uh, instruments that you have here with the turret up front and you're kind of going over some of the responsibilities that um, the operator would have. I'm looking at all these components, all these gauges,
2: Looking at my fuel tank. So on the left, I'm, I'm looking at foam, right? And on the right, I'm looking on your water source. Right. So, uh, like any emergency, it's teamwork. Uh, the driver's got to get us there safe, first and foremost. But in addition to that, he has the ability to deploy. He's in charge of the bumper turret, which is uh, directly in front of him. I would be in charge of the roof turret. Uh, as we're rolling, we have the capability of getting the water pump activated and then. With the controls, he's able to not only drive as we pull up to the emergency aircraft, but you can dis- uh, get the water flowing. Okay, so by
0: this use this joystick here is how
2: we control the. Oh, I see. so that's controlling terror. So it, the terror. So the the truck we carry three thousand gallons of water. Okay. We can high flow or low flow with the two uh, <laughs> cannons going at once. We could empty the truck pretty quick. Now, we were just playing with it a few minutes ago. That's letting us know that we're, we're starting to run the, uh, low on water. So we either got to get other trucks here, or we're going to have to ask for additional help and hook up to a hydrant. That's great. So all of these you know, instruments
0: inside this inside this well here, if you will, how, how, how much training is involved in this piece of apparatus?
2: You get about 40 hours, a full okay. work week. Um, learning the ins and outs of the truck the the uh, bays on the side with all the equipment if we have to get out and get hands-on which uh, we normally do um, as well as the radios and work in what we call the product the water the foam
1: We're pretty much at an empty truck maybe about 200 to 300 gallons of residual water at the bottom uh, so this is at on this size line if we had if we had a, a bigger mercy, we'd actually use a, a larger line but this is going to take you anywhere from uh, eight to ten minutes to fill up at three thousand gallons. that's
0: good chris gonna put you to work today buddy
1: get pumped by you we would want a certain psi uh, anything above the, the 80 then you got to worry about the plumbing itself on the truck so we're going to tell them uh whoever's pumping the water you know to, to lower your pump uh pressure or speed and you want to keep below your- the different type of uh, fire extinguishers whether metal, dry chem, a water tank and a Halotron extinguisher for the different type of fires depending on what we have we're going we're gonna to take out what we need right. over here we have 200 feet of, of uh, hose line for both sides we have fan an electric fan for uh, to uh, evacuate smoke or we have to we have to cool off uh, brakes we're gonna we're gonna deploy some fans on the landing gear Off the uh, hot brakes. There's some different, uh, first electric, electric curse tools, um, cutter. We have a spreader, we have a combi tool, and we have a ram. Depend on what we need it for, we're going to take out. We have the charger built in, so if the if, uh, battery runs out, we're just going to take it directly from the truck. It's always being charged with the plugs here. When well, we fill the truck, the pump depending on what you know. If we if we want to uh, fill up the truck quick, we're going to use a large, larger diameter hose. If we're just going to normally, we, we just uh, fill up the truck with, with the smaller diameter hose. We have different fittings, FDNY fittings. Any maintenance on the engine? Check the oil, the def. Filling up the fuel, we're going to do from over here. We have access uh, to the rear of the truck or the engine on both sides. Just basically checking the oil. That's that's all we're doing. Uh, we have an automotive that does the rest. Any kind of maintenance. There's some equipment back here like shovels, uh, spotlights. Some of the trucks, the trucks without, the trucks without snozzles, We have uh, ladders. Just going to deploy them electrically. We also have a little giant ladder on our smaller truck, our truck one. We have to uh, deploy quickly.
3: What's happening, everybody? I'm Al. And I'm Devin. And we are Grego Studios. We are also the proud sponsor of episode 28 of Pin the Q Podcast. We too have a little YouTube channel going on, and if you want to check it out, head over to YouTube, type in Grego Studios, check out some of our videos. If you like them, like them. If you want to subscribe, subscribe. You can also check us out at Grego Studios on Instagram, because we got one of those too. Now enough about us
1: back
0: to the episode. Enjoy. Hey everyone, welcome back to, to Q Podcast. We are in Newark, New Jersey at EWR, or everyone likes to call it Newark Airport, and we were with the Chief of uh, Airport Fire Rescue. So Chief, um, I know who you are, and I had a pleasure of getting to know uh, some of the operations here today at, this, uh, at the airport, but why don't you tell our guest uh, who you are?
3: My name is Tom Weiserzak, and uh, I'm the Chief of Aircraft Rescue Firefighting for the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey, and we're
0: yeah.
3: happy to host you here today.
0: Well, I, I appreciate it very much, and we, uh, Chris Hansen and I, had an opportunity to go with your uh, your crew uh, out in one of the crash trucks, yeah. out into the tarmac, and, and kind of get a feel. There's a plane going by, <laughs> as we speak. Um, kind of getting a feel of what happens here and the uh, you know the operations of what you guys do, because um, I know you're familiar with my show, and, and we do a lot of you know different kind of firefighting. We just did an episode of, of Marine One in Jersey right. City, so you know our guests got to see or, uh, some of what we do on the water. But now we're talking about the air. Yeah, and it's a much different uh, type of firefighting.
3: Very different, very unique.
0: So, so chief, tell me, why don't you bring me back to some of that grassroots? You know about about Tommy, like when, when you were looking to get into the fire service, how did it all start for you?
3: Wow. So it goes back to, uh, I think it's every, uh, every boy's dream to become a firefighter or a police officer, something in public service. Um, my father was an electrician in New York City, so I really didn't have anything that was uh, relating to uh, public service. But my great-grandfather was uh, the fire marshal and the fire chief for the U.S. Army uh, in the 30s and the 40s, uh, 50s as well. Um, and uh, he served at Fort Monmouth, New Jersey, as well as uh, Fort Hamilton in Brooklyn. And uh, as a kid, I, I found his helmet in uh, my grandmother's basement uh, in Brooklyn. Oh, cool. And it was something that I like to wear it. And I never understood the, uh, the tradition behind it. And uh, there was something that just, you saw a fire truck go by, the FDNY in, uh, in Middletown Township, and, and them coming around for their fun drive. And I just, I had a drive for it. And, and I didn't realize that uh, as I grew older and matured, you know, going into your teenage years, uh, of seeing how noble of a job it really was, whether you're a volunteer or looking to do it to uh, to, to bring a paycheck home. Right. Uh, and, and that's what drew me into it. So, uh, you know, as a uh, teenager, I got into uh, the Explorers and the Cadets in Middletown. I actually started uh, with EMS. I became an EMT.
0: Like most firefighters do. Yeah, yeah. it's
3: actually a unique path. And then, uh, you know, started my way in as a uh, firefighter um, in Middletown Township. Worked my way up through the ranks there, you know. And that's
0: Middle Middle Township in Monmouth County. In Monmouth
3: County, correct? Yeah, you know, known as the world's largest volunteer fire department. Uh, Right. You know, that's where I started, and uh, I credit a lot of people that uh, I I had met there uh, through the years who really did foster me through. Um, Probably, uh, your listeners are probably very familiar with a a name of uh, Kevin Morrissey, who's on uh, Task Force One. Uh, He was uh, a big driver. watching me, uh, mentoring me through the years. I definitely look at him, and unfortunately, I've also had some other mentors who uh, have uh, you know, done some bad things, uh, you know, and, and kind of jipped uh, uh, firefighters and police out of uh, money. Uh, but nonetheless, I still look at the good things that they had done for me through the years. Um, but kind of going back to it, um, when I had got in, I, I always wanted to do better, I wanted to do more, and, and of course, you work through the ranks. Um, I knew that I wanted to do this as a career. Um, I started going to the University of Maryland. They had a, a specific fire science program that yep. was through the uh, National Fire Academy. Uh, worked my way through that. Um, I was actually very fortunate uh, to uh, get a job. At uh, at the time, it was Navy Lakers, which is right. now morphed into Joint Base. Um, and that's I, where uh,
0: Dave Kanko comes Dave, into play.
3: Dave Kanko. Uh, <laughs> that's my guy. Uh, and Dave Neal, who's been on this show before as oh, well.
2: Yeah. Yeah, um,
3: so... I made my way in there, and I was very fortunate at a very young age to uh, to, to get in. As a matter of fact, I, I was delayed in starting because I wasn't even uh, 20 uh, 20 years old, oh, and they wow. didn't know that I, I they didn't know if I could be in the, the the fire pension system if you were under 21 years old. Uh, we got through all that. I made it on, and I continued with my education. Um, the Federal Fire Service is amazing in having educational opportunities with IFSAC and Pro Board certifications. And I continued to do everything that I could to advance with the training, the right. opportunities that were afforded to me in the department, and working up and, and taking advantage of all that, You know, eventually becoming an instructor at Middletown and then on to Monmouth County Fire Academy. And my education didn't stop. Um, I, I continued on. I, I also have a criminal justice degree. Uh, I, I worked in... Um, Graduate studies in the management with a concentration in human resources. I recently graduated from uh, Rutgers uh, School of Public Administration as a certified mm-hmm. public manager. And it goes on and on. Yeah. I, I never stop learning uh, and, and advancing, you know, basically a model of continuous improvement. Um, it's important not only to have the fire ground tactics and, and know what we're doing on the fire ground, but then there's a the human element. And and you have
0: and, to make yourself marketable. You do. And you especially d- in this climate
3: very much so in this climate but right. even let's go back into uh, in, into our fire world um, you know you wish you were well we don't wish that we were at a working fire at every moment but you strive for that you know right. you prepare for that moment uh but a lot of the things that we have to face are back in the firehouse they're administrative they're dealing with all the modern day things that you see out there oh another one leaving here <laughs> like we talked about earlier yeah. that uh, the mini crises. The mini-crisis, exactly. So there's a lot that goes on, whether it's in the volunteer world, and this is a very real thing for the volunteer fire service as well as the career fire service. So you have to be well-rounded in not just your fire tactics. That's extremely important because right. when that bell goes off, we have to be there. But you need to know how to deal with all the other issues that are going on. And
0: and that's you know that's really the the 90%, if you will, the yes. stuff that happens behind the scenes. And then the 10% of the time, you're yes. out there having fun and fighting fires and doing what you got to do. Of course. But it's those, like we talked about, those... Those putting out the fires, if you will.
3: Yes. You yeah, know. putting out all, all those small fires, yeah. the, the administrative yeah. fires that probably take up ninety-five percent of your time in any department. Doesn't matter right. uh, what your locale is. This, these are the things that are happening to you, yeah. and you need to be prepared.
0: So when you were, you know, starting out as a young firefighter, like you know, looking to advance your career and getting on, like you said, you were fortunate. You got on very, very young. Very fortunate. Um, did you ever think you'd be where you're at today? I mean, was, did you ever look, look, looking back? I mean, is it humbling?
3: It is extremely humbling. Um, I I have to tell you, you know, you always dream of moving along. Um, To get to the level where I am at, uh, I'm extremely fortunate. Um, I I don't forget where I came from. I remember the people who have brought me here. Um, And and those have given me an opportunity as well. You 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 look at where young faces coming up and, People take chances on us, and uh, we have to understand we have to take chances on others in order to get into these uh, positions here and, and do good for the people that work with us. I don't like to say uh, who, who work for me. They, we work together yeah. to, uh, to meet these missions. And and that's important to remember, and, and I'm yeah. not forgetting that. And, and I think it's important also that... Uh, I've worked through every position to, to, to get up in here, and, and sometimes uh, I, I say that, uh, listen, I, I wish that uh, the, my favorite position was being a captain at Joint Base on a, on a ladder truck. Uh, being in the right seat is the best spot in the fire service, and, and I miss that dearly. Yeah. Uh, but where we're at, this is what you work towards. This is, this is the pinnacle of a career. This is why I went as far as yeah. I've gone with everything that I've done to be here.
0: It's funny, I, I'm very fortunate to be able to sit in that seat at work, and it comes with so much responsibility, as you know. Uh, you know better than, than most. But it's everyone I interview that's in a chief's position, deputy position, battalion chief, no matter what, they all say the same thing. And I'm telling you, yeah. every one of it, captain is the best position.
3: It is. For, for,
0: yeah, everyone I interview say like, captain was my favorite spot.
3: I'm not saying don't advance right. at all. That that is not my message. Uh, appreciate where you are. Right. Um, there is uh, there is a certain appreciation to have uh, as a probationary firefighter, as just a firefighter. As a matter of fact, yeah. I, I I hate to just say just as a firefighter, um, being a firefighter for your entire career is extremely admirable. And and I know a lot of men and women who were in the rank of firefighter for 25 or 30 years, and they did a great job. Yeah. And it's almost as like the the, the you know <laughs> the good man upstairs had wanted them to be there because. They've mentored hundreds, if not thousands, oh. of people to can make sure that we're able to get home on each and every call and get out of the firehouse.
0: Yeah, and it's funny. You know, we talk to, uh, in the show, we get to talk to so many great people. And, you know, we had an opportunity to speak to one of the senior guys in the house in Jersey City. Mm-hmm. And when I was talking to the chief, Battalion Chief Gorman, he said, that senior guy, he's invaluable. Yeah. Because, you know, all these young guys are going to that senior guy first. Right. And that senior guy is the guy who's saying, hey, kid, no, 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 you don't want to do that. Or, hey, kid, do this. And then, you know, they're not getting to that level where they meet and come, let's say, you're for you as a chief. Those small incidents and things aren't getting to you because they're being handled by the senior guy in the house. Or a senior woman in the house, which I think is a great thing. You know, I have people like that mentoring you and watching after you, you need those people.
3: It's important. I mean, you mentioned Dave Kanko, and I have to say, for for years here, and it's... uh, Dave is a great person in the firehouse, and I think yeah. you could go to anybody, especially in, in his, whether it's his volunteer fire department or uh, you know any of the stations in Joint Base. Uh, people know a person like Dave Canco; they know that they can go and talk to him and trust him, and get the guidance that's really going to be the right path for them.
0: Yeah, Dave's one of those guys, uh, you know, around the firehouse because I volunteer with him, and he's one of the guys at the firehouse. He's he doesn't say much, but, but when it's something he's passionate about, believe me, he, he's standing there and he's talking. I mean, oh, you know, yeah. You know, he'll, he'll
3: hold your hand. He'll, yeah. uh, you know, yeah, <laughs> as elementary as that sounds, sometimes that's the best thing ever.
0: Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a real good people. So, Chief, tell me about this whole operation. I mean, when you took on this position, I mean, you had, obviously, a little bit of knowledge about aircraft, fire, and rescue, that obviously, from right. the Joint Base. But how is this, how is this different?
1: Wow.
3: So, uh, overall... ARF as a whole is a very aircraft rescue firefighting is an unknown in the fire service. And I think many firefighters think that they know it, but uh, they truly don't. Um, and looking across the country, uh, there are many big airport systems that we have here. When you look at the New York and New Jersey specifically, we actually have the busiest airspace in the world. Oh, those helicopters are loud. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it shows you how busy we are.
0: Yeah, and if anybody ever questioned uh, the authenticity of our
3: show, we are really at the airport. We are at the airport. We are, we are, we are just about 200 feet away from Taxiway Zulu here <laughs> at Newark Airport. <laughs> so uh, going back to this, it, it, it's a big unknown. Um, there's a lot that goes on in our area. Um, we, we have extremely large aircraft that fly in and out of the airports. And I'm going to be hitting on training because training is a key, whether it's structural firefighting or when we get into ARF. Our aircraft that come in here are the biggest in the world, as I, I keep saying here. Uh, here at Newark Airport, you have the, uh, the Boeing 747-8 flown by some foreign carriers that can have over 600 people on board and, and tens of thousands of pounds of Jet-A fuel on board. We go over to some of our other airports, at like LaGuard, I'm sorry, at uh, Kennedy, has an Airbus A380, it's the double-decker that you see out there. It was rated by the FAA to have 1,050 people on board in a certain configuration. So now you you take that aircraft, and we have lots of ambient noise. (laughs) Um, You take that aircraft, and it has a hard landing, a survivable landing, uh, because actually uh, in in aircraft incidents, 82% of incidents that happen in aviation will happen within 3,000 foot of the the center of the airport on either takeoff, taxi, and landing. And that means a survivable incident there, low impact, we're not talking about a a traumatic crash into the ground where the aircraft may break apart and uh, you have fuel load everywhere. And then you have passengers that may need to be rescued or even if they're self-evacuating, we have to deploy our aircraft rescue firefighting resources rapidly. So um, let's go into that there. We talked about the size of these aircraft. And uh, you know, we talk about building construction with structural firefighting. And then we talk about aircraft construction when we talk about ARF. And it's important there because fire behavior in an aircraft acts different, no different than it does in our building fires of how a fire is gonna act in a uh, ordinary constructed building uh, versus a type five constructed building or even versus a uh, fire resistant type building. Right. There's gonna be different reactions there. So we know how to go ahead and, and do that there. And, and in a building, We have fire stops. I'm able to close a door or I have a fire alarm that goes off. I have a sprinkler head that may pop. And drop
0: ceilings. And I can
3: get myself away from the fire. Uh, In an aircraft incident, when you have something like a hard landing of an aircraft and it does break apart, fuel is all over the place. Um, In a tubular environment inside of an aircraft cabin, I don't have the ability to close a door. So the smoke is coming into an area where all the passengers are. Um, And that's, as we know, a a very big danger to any type of occupant trapped in a, a, a fire scenario. So, um, taking an hourly count here, we have these massive trucks. Uh, some are carrying 3,000 gallons of water, 420 gallons of foam. Uh, some have just 1,500 gallons of water, and I say just uh, 210 gallons of foam. And then they have other uh, specialty agents like uh, Purple K, right. uh, Halitron, which is a, 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 an environmentally friendly version of uh, Halon for, as a clean agent. And these trucks have some speed to them, so the alert goes off, air traffic control says there's a problem. These trucks are getting out to you extremely fast uh, with a tremendous amount of uh, firepower in the sense of we have a lot of water to knock down stages of fire where maybe fuel is all around where passengers are trying to get out. where We're able to suppress it really fast with our turrets that uh, disperse anywhere from 750 to 1,250 gallons a minute of water. So we're putting a rapid big punch of uh, uh, of fire suppression on on what we have out there with the fuel loads that we encounter there. And that's something unlike you you experience in uh, in a structural setting. And I'll even go more so. Um, You know, we work closely with the uh, fire department in New York City and the chiefs have even, uh, we we discussed this, of having the uh, catastrophic scenario of a uh, an Airbus A380 or a 747 with a high passenger load. You wind up getting into a 9-11 type event, not in the sense of terrorism, right. but in the sense of mass how many mass people and yeah. mass amounts of fire. And it's unlike we've uh, seen here. And it's an
0: MCI nightmare.
3: It is an MCI nightmare. It's a fire nightmare. But what I can say is that the training that we do is intense. Um, ARF is the most regulated fire discipline in the country actually throughout the world In a municipal department, you don't have the FAA coming in and looking at your training records each and every year. Uh, you may have ISO making a visit or POSHA if you're very unfortunate. But in any case, they're looking at everybody's training records each and every year. They're making sure that our personnel are getting live fire so training. checks you know.
0: and balances are...
3: Everything is there. Mm-hmm. And, and, and our training modules are extremely critical of going over aircraft familiarization and construction, aircraft evacuation. How do the slides work? How do I get people out? Um, the communications as you saw when you're operating yeah. on the airfield yeah, yeah. there are many elements to ensure the safety of our firefighters so they're able to provide a world-class service to the people that are out there you know those people are having the worst day of their lives in an incident and we're gonna make sure we do our best to, to, to make that better for them we've got a big guy coming by
0: oh yeah that's is, that is <laughs> that's something huge Whoever it is yeah
3: it's probably that UPS MD 11 coming by <laughs> going back to China <laughs>
0: Yeah, you know. so you mentioned that, and we were in the, uh, in the crash truck with, with your members, and they were talking about they were showing us a flight to Singapore. Yeah. So from, from Newark to Singapore, 18-hour flight. Yeah, a long time. Right? And immediately what I thought was, okay, that's, that's 18 hours of fuel. Yeah. And you're talking about all these incidents are happening close to close to home, if you will. Yeah. So if something goes bad now you have 18 hours worth of fuel.
3: Yeah, that, that's actually a big problem uh, that we're trained to, uh, of course, handle yeah. there. But uh, when an aircraft leaves here at Newark Airport and they're flying, whether it's to Orlando or going to San Francisco, or they're going across the, uh, the Pacific, across the North Pole and down the, uh, the, the Pacific uh, Rim, they're leaving with a lot of fuel. And uh, they're actually not meant to land immediately. They're meant to burn off all of that fuel. Right, right. Um, and, and that's important. So when they do land, if they take off and they have a problem, let's say they strike birds, there's some type of mechanical issue where they come back. Um, that, that's an emergency because that aircraft is landing heavy, need lots of uh, runway to land. They may make their brakes a little bit too hot there, that can potentially cause the fire. And that's exactly why we're here. So yeah. it's in the event of a crash or preventing a catastrophe and keeping the passengers and the crew on that aircraft safe at all elements of the flight. That's what our training is always on. That's what our deployment scheme is all based about.
0: What I liked was that they were. They knew that information like that. Like yes. you, you. It's not just being a firefighter. I mean, th- there's so much they have to learn. Yes. Doing
3: this. And yeah. on
0: and on top of that, I have to also mention to my to my viewers, who may not know this, but they're police officers.
3: Yes, that's a very Each, unique component of the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey. They're they're Port Authority police officers, and you have to be a Port Authority police officer to be recruited into the, the uh, Yeah, so, so. into becoming an aircraft rescue firefighter. So
0: every one of those. Firefighters are police officers for the Port Authority in New Jersey. That is correct. Okay. So that, that's an interesting, you know, that's it, interesting in itself.
3: <laughs> it is. It's a, it's a very unique uh, yeah. setup.
0: Because you're taking police officers, you know, that yep. work in the street or working here at the airport. Yeah. And now they're, okay, now we're going to send you to be a firefighter. Yeah. And,
3: go off in the training. Yeah. And
0: not just a firefighter, but now you're going to have to learn how to be an airport firefighter. So right. you're learning, you know, like you talk about building construction, which I liked. The construction of a fuselage and, and yeah. the engines and the fuel and everything that goes with the hydraulic systems. It's a lot. It's a it, lot to take on. It
3: is a lot. And I have to tell you, the uh, the regulatory side of it, you know, the, the Federal Aviation Administration where training is very hard on the sense of they want you to know each and every aircraft that's coming in. They don't want it to be the first time you saw a 787 was the first incident you were on. They want you to be out there, and, and, and our programs that we have are, are very intense on that, of uh, not only getting into the field, but sitting in the classroom and going through those types of training uh, evolutions, and that's important because... You don't ever, it's like vehicle extrication. I don't know what model vehicle I may be cutting up next, but I need to know the basics of it. I need to know my way around modern vehicle construction and know the basic anatomy and physiology in order to get the job done. I may not know each and every car particularly, but at least know how to get my way through and do step by step. And that's exactly what our fire personnel do when they go through the training. And, And that's important that they owe that to themselves and we owe that to the traveling public there to, uh, you know, just give them another degree of feeling like if something does happen in the very off chance right. that, uh, you know, we're, we're there to do our best to, to keep them.
0: What was it when you first got here and you, and you started taking on the role as chief uh, tremendous responsibility, tremendous responsibility. Correct. Uh, what, was it? Was it difficult for you at first trying to learn this whole new world? And then, you know, or what, did you, did you kind of feel like it was what you wanted to do?
3: Uh, of course. So um, any type of change, you know, brings some type of resistance or reluctance or maybe even second guessing. And, and, and of course, uh, you know, we're past that hump. Um, and coming into any type of governmental agency has its complexities. Um, and now uh, just knowing what the structure of the Port Authority is, you know, it, it was uh, mandated by uh, U.S. Congress. All right. It's uh, bifurcated uh, by state agency. Um, so you start looking at the bureaucracy of it. And it's not saying anything political, but it starts to say, hey, there are many stakeholders in this game, um, just on the level of the Port Authority. And then you get into air, aircraft rescue firefighting, and there become many lanes that we have to deal with. You right. know. Uh, I, I'm really focused on on a daily basis when it comes to this of uh, personnel and, and, and training matters and working with the aviation department, and then within the aviation department, actually running aircraft rescue firefighting. You know, we have our deputy chiefs who you met today yeah. um, at, at lunch, and uh, they're responsible, thank goodness, for the day-to-day operation of each airport, which is absolutely critical there, because as we talked about kind of in the beginning here go 95 and 5%. Uh, my, my plate is very much so full with making sure that all of these other ends are done here and working with all the various stakeholders here because, we said, we have police officers. Right. You know, I have to work hand-in-hand hand with the superintendent of police of making sure that he is aware of our needs, of what personnel we may need, if promotions are going to happen, and retirement of people because I actually have to pull from his department there, right. and that's important. And then right. on the other hand, you know, working with the aviation department, I, I have to see what their needs are, what the budgeting issues are, and then figuring out how am I going to get these people in or out, how am I training them, and then all the other issues that go along there, dealing with our, our, our great labor unions, uh, dealing with the daily personnel issues that are going on, and whatever else may be the happenings of the day. Well, our many fires that continue yeah. to come up and whatnot.
0: Yeah, because you, you know you, you take an institution this large, I mean, this is like a city in itself. Yeah. It really is like a city. Yes, it is. So, you know, you're you're, you're almost... you, know, you well, I mean, you're not almost, you're managing all of this, um, you know, so you're, like you said, you're working with multiple
3: different entities. Multiple stakeholders to uh, bring us to success yeah. here. So what
0: I guess is, the what people don't see on the back end of it is, you know, they say, oh, you're chief of a Port Authority, you know, New York, New Jersey, fire chief. It's not just that, right? <laughs> no. You have all these other parts of the Port Authority involved in it.
3: Yeah, there, there, there is a lot more to it, you know, yeah. and then there's also, you know, the phone calls off hour or thinking about stuff when you're on vacation or over a long weekend. Um, if you're human and, and you have a care for what you do, you're constantly thinking about it, and it's easy easier said than done to, to, to just shut it off right. uh, but there's a lot of work to do around here to, to, to keep this going you know whether it be from uh, from the training or, or, or the coordination with the individual airports or with the aviation department um, our academy there, there's a lot of moving parts and you need to keep your eye on the ball um, I've definitely can say that I've matured in my public administration skills <laughs> and, and even my organization I, I thought I was organized beforehand uh, but if you're not And and you don't have those other things that you learn as you mature going through. This will chew you up and spit you out. It will chew you up and spit you out immediately. (laughs) And that's important. You have to be able to adapt to the environment that you're in. I I can't say that enough.
0: So our guests that are not familiar with any of this, uh, I was one of them until this morning. (laughs) Now I'm, like, pretty seasoned. (laughs) Uh, To become an airport fire rescue firefighter, Mm -hmm. it's not just a fire academy. Correct. All right. So can you walk me through what that takes?
3: So... uh, you, you know, the largest provider of uh, ARF services outside of the Port Authority, actually, is uh, the Department of Defense. So um, most of your aircraft rescue fire personnel come out of the Department of Defense, like a, a joint base, because ARF is a, a major mission of whether it was the old Navy Curse, McGuire Air Force Base, and, and now the joint base. Ooh, that's a little loud. <laughs> <laughs> so really the basis of becoming an ARF firefighter is your basis, your ground level is getting into Firefighter one. Firefighter 2, and then making your way up. Um, typically, uh, your basic uh, ARF school is typically 40 hours. Okay. Uh, here in the Port Authority, we actually do a 120-hour course, which is inclusive of driving these big trucks. Um, and we also do uh, you know, a, a fire brigade-type level training, uh, okay. which is what they start with at, at the Middlesex County Fire Academy. Um, and, and that's that's how we would do it here in this agency. But if you're on the outside, really your, your, your best ticket in is to... Uh, it, Going through DOD uh, right now, I was on uh, working with the Division of Fire Safety of uh, establishing an aircraft rescue firefighter course for the state of New Jersey. Oh, that's great! And I do believe we're close. We're working on a train the trainer right now with Division in, uh, in King University, uh, but we're looking at you know trying to get something off the ground here with actually doing an offering of a train the trainer and then getting some stuff out to some of our airports because. I said this is an unknown, and we do have some airports around us, and yeah. I, I should mention that not only do we have general aviation airports, and they may not have ARF crews because they're not certificated airports, but we, we are ignoring aircraft rescue firefighting in, in many communities. Uh, we have the busiest airspace in the world above New Jersey between New York and uh, in Philadelphia. Um, it's actually 17% of the world's aviation is over us. Wow. Um, that's staggering. It, it is staggering. So my point is, you know, when we start talking about probability and statistics, even though we're in a safe industry, the chances of having something happen with a flight that may be coming from overseas or even over our airspace and landing it like on Allaire Airport is a reality. Um, you could even look at, uh, at uh, Sully with his uh, you know, oh, yeah. flight over over the Hudson when he landed on the Hudson there. Teterboro was an option. Granted, that's an airport that's covered by the Port Authority, but it easily could have been another general aviation airport that he puts that aircraft down on. And it's no different than any other uh, type of airliner. If, if he sees a runway, such as I, I use a lair just because of the length of the runway and, yeah. the, and the area that it may be, and considering the, the flight paths that we're very knowledgeable with, but it is. Well, a when you chance. said that to
0: me, it was like a light bulb went off, honestly. Yeah,
3: and, and it's it's somewhat ignored there. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of uh, my, my comparison, too, of when I talked about uh, rapid intervention and vehicle extrication. Yeah. Where, uh, you know, everybody uh, forgets vehicle extrication, even though it's the most common form of uh, technical rescue. But everybody wants to be great at rapid intervention, where I think, quite honestly, as uh, saying as a fire instructor that uh, vehicle extrication is something that's really forgotten about out there in the field. We forget about our bread-and-butter type stuff there, yeah. or what are the real hazards in front of us here? And I'm just saying refocus, I'm not knocking right, right. anybody for what they're Back going Back to the on. basics. Back to the basics yeah. is an important piece. Yeah, absolutely. Important.
0: So when, when you're here and you're getting all these people sort of motivated, do you find any of that, um, or was it a little bit of a challenge? Because you're talking about police officers, right? So you go from police officers now, or firefighters, you got guys that come into the unit, let's say they come off the road, you put them to the academy, become a firefighter, and right. rather, you have to teach them everything.
3: <laughs> yeah, so that is a challenge. because So basically, yeah, you, you could have a police officer who was working at uh, the Port Authority Bus Terminal in Manhattan for uh, 20 years, and he right. wants to come over. So, yeah, you, you do have challenges there, and, and it's especially when you're getting into when we're first doing our, our, our first couple weeks at Middlesex. You know, we're doing, uh, you know, your uh, donning and doffing of SEBA. People are putting on a uh, face mask for the first time. Yeah, yeah. issues th- of the claustrophobia and the things that you encounter That's in Fire exactly 1. That's
0: exactly what I mean. You because, know, so, you know, as an instructor, some people put on the— SCBA for yeah. the first time, i like, yeah, no,
3: yeah, I'm good. <laughs> you, you do get that. So th- those are challenges that you have right. to go through, uh, and, and, and we're fortunate. You know, th- There's obstacles and challenges in, in every agency here. Uh, we're surrounded by good people, and uh, we're able to work through a lot of those things. So do those things happen? Yes, uh, but we do have the mechanisms in place to right. put out those mini fires, uh, remediation, whatever we need to do to, to, to get somebody through to get them to the level that they're going to be comfortable because, quite frankly, when they're here, uh, you know, my family travels through these airports as well. Uh, I, I could tell you that in overseeing these things, I want to make sure that the product is going out there is going to be able to save me, uh, my wife, uh, y- your family. Right. I, I, I don't want to see anything bad happen there to either the traveling public or that person here. So there are those challenges. That that is something that happens, and you have the cultural issues too of right. how how our was run before uh, the stand up of uh, you know the dedicated unit that we have here today. Um, but, of course, as you work through, I mean, you look at your program, you know, remembering, uh, you know, the, the past and, and respect and, and those types of things. The when, very premise of the show. When you embrace those types yeah. of cultures and you have a respectful work environment and, and everybody's aware of what's expected of them, those are the important things to moving forward and to achieving the culture that you want.
0: You're a pretty young guy, Chief. I mean, is it, is it hard for you not, not to be in that front seat anymore? Is it hard for you to? Of course it is. Yeah.
3: Of course it is. Um, I, my wife can attest to this, I, I tell her it all the time, and uh, and my good friend late, the acting deputy chief here at Newark, I, I tell him, you know, I, I, uh, I, of course, in, in uh, no terms of making it a reality, but it's always in my mind, I want to be back in that right seat, yeah. riding in a ladder truck in the worst way, I mean, there was no better time that I had than, than being, you know, on the back step, in the, in the cab, or uh, in that right seat, or even driving. I miss and, and I love those days.
0: I miss the back step too. When I uh, first I do. when I first started, you know, from my firefighting career, you know, uh, I remember being on the tail step of a CF Mac with the man's traverse stra- strap
3: know up on the top i i can't tell you that i ever had that i I, wish i had those days yeah
0: i didn't you know my first coat was all the way down to my knees pull up pull up boots i
3: could only wish (laughs) i could only wish it didn't last long though you you know when it comes down to this you know i I work towards this sometimes i feel like you know the uh, you know you could feel your career's gone by way too fast this is absolutely what i've worked for there i'm I'm not going to regret any of uh, the decisions i made i i do my best to uh to support everybody in the field to support all the operations and Really, to, to make sure the mission is accomplished. But I,
0: what I think, though, what benefits everyone here is the fact that you do want to be in that seat, oh. and, the, and the fact that you have all this passion for the fire service and how much you love what you do. That's only going to benefit everybody here.
3: Of course, you know. And, and, and I take that back. You know what? My, my, my time in the uh, fire academy. You know, the the, the days of uh, living at the, the volunteer firehouse. You know, back. You know, some of the listeners can remember of uh, you know my glory days in Titton Falls in District uh, One (laughs) at Wayside. I mean, I I would leave the firehouse at work and I would go to the volunteer house. Yeah, I was also commissioner and whatnot, and and, and I love those days. Uh, But now you mature in every angle, whether it's as a fire officer and also as a family man. You know, life has different paths. Having a child at home, having a a baby on the way, and and a wife, I love being at home. Um, I, I love being around my family I love being around you know my father and my in-laws and and everybody else I I embrace that and I'm very fortunate to be able to go back to that you know that that's something that you see that uh, some people get too attached and you see the devastation that happens with you know individuals getting divorced and, and whatnot and and those are important things to remember too so for those out here that are thinking that you know the job is everything yeah we love this world. I, I absolutely love the fire service. Yeah, but you, but you have you, to. You have, have to role. know that end there, and, and and that's so critical. You know, I'll be John uh programs on. You know, are you ready and whatnot. You know, having family and going back to that family unit, and having it as a whole, that's going to help you get through all that stuff. That that's yeah, that's so
0: important. And having a support staff and you know people in your life that yeah. are able to grab you by the elbow, and go, hey man, yeah, take take a break. You know, I mean fo- and, refocus.
3: And you know, there's going to be points. My my kids are going to get older. I, I intend to, to step that up a little bit more. You know, working yeah. at the fire academy more because listen, I, I like I was saying there, I I was at the the volunteer firehouse all the time, working at the fire academy all the time, and you know I do my specialties now. I I, I enjoy the. Search- aspects of Firefighter 1, not being the coordinator at Middletown anymore, Um, just working lectures, working fire ground details, doing vehicle extrication, working in specialties that you know I'm able to maybe give a little bit more edge on. Right,
0: so what are some of the capabilities of of this unit as a whole, this unit, right? this firefighting unit? What are your your capabilities on on the tarmac or around, if there's a crash in the parking lot, are you guys responding to that?
3: Uh, as in a crash of an aircraft entity? No, I'm or? talking about just like a... So uh, our, our primary uh, mission as uh, ARF is uh, the uh, aeronautical operating area. What does okay. that mean? It means the taxiways, right. the, uh, the gate areas and whatnot. Our primary mission is to take care of the aircraft that are on there and the people who are working on them, in them, passengers on them, so on and so forth. Um, the airport doesn't exist without the ARF units there. So right now the capability is, you know, of course, if there's something else that we can support in an emergency, that's done there, and and our personnel do receive the training in vehicle extrication and potentially able to assist with a vehicle fire and things of that nature, or assist with a terminal fire, which you know the unit has in the past there. Right. So the training level is there, but the primary mission is to make sure that these fire trucks are available for uh, any incidents that may be occurring with uh, with aircraft.
0: And like you mentioned earlier. You have to be out of here immediately and on the road. And and is that why these trucks go as fast as they go?
3: (laughs) Yes. The the, the 600 horsepower engines will definitely get you moving.
0: We were surprised. (laughs) I got in here. I was like, I
3: was a
0: little surprised. Yeah, they'll move. I mean,
3: you know, it's critical. You, You talk about things going back to basic firefighting you know uh, the fire doubling in size every 30 seconds that we go here and then we have our our fire situations with jet fuel yeah you know and people potentially covered it and, and and the smoke that we have of filling cabins and whatnot these trucks need to be able to be deployed in a very rapid and safe manner and to be able to get out there and put water on that fire to, to get around so people can get out and then we can get hand lines and go rescue people i mean that that is so important
0: and so you have a you have a vehicle out there that- That stairs on it.
3: Correct. You
0: know, that you can deploy rapidly because that's got to be way safer than deploying you know, one of those uh, air...
3: Of course. I, yeah, it goes down to the basics of Fire One again. You know, when we're, we're doing rescue of people, right. what, what's the safest means out? A, a normal exit, right? You know, when we start throwing ground ladders or even a, a tower ladder or straight yeah, stick cr- out of the... Increase of the your seat. injuries. You know? uh, of of yeah. course. And, and you have people of all ages and, and physical capability on these aircraft, and even the slides. People coming down slides, you see horrific injuries of ankles and whatnot. Granted, we're getting people away, and I'd right. rather see you with a an- broken ankle than die of smoke inhalation uh, but nonetheless, that is a safer option. And of course, that's saying that the aircraft is on all of its landing gear and it's perfect. Yeah. You know, when we get in certain other scenarios where you know people are going to have to go out slides or we're going to have to throw a ground ladder or two to get people off or many to uh, on, on, on bigger aircraft. But nonetheless, yeah, we we have a lot of tools in our toolbox here that are specific to an, an airport operation, and the amount of training is is severely intense. And I think in conclusion, with uh, the training. Uh, Depending upon what airport you may be assigned to and, and what rank you are, because there's crew chief training, has strategy and tactics included in it, and uh, certain airports have uh, personnel that are, that are also trained as emergency medical responder, um, but you're almost about 400 hours of, uh, of training by the wow. time it's all said and done. That,
0: well, that's what I was saying earlier. It's not just the fire academy. It's
3: No, it, it, it's more. So, yeah, you have the time that the person was in the police academy here where they, they have a certain right. degree of fire training as well, and then it's also getting in here, and, and it's intense, and then it's recurrent training each and every year. You
0: know? So that's, what, that's exactly my point earlier where you, you take a police officer who obviously went to the police academy and whatever trainings on top of that they're getting, you know, their incidental trainings, and then they're like, okay, I want to move into the fire department side of the Port Authority. Now they're getting all this additional four hundred hours of training. Yes, it, it's a lot to take on. So it is those those people that are here. I mean, they want to be here. They want
3: to be here, uh, and they're and they're dedicated. They and they have to be here for five years. So once you commit, you want to come in. Uh, you're you're staying with uh, aircraft rescue firefighting for no less than five years. Oh, so it's a five year bit, five year commitment. Yep. Oh wow. Yes, uh, the only way to get out is to get promoted. <laughs> oh
0: no kidding. So promoted or retire. So, so five years or you get promoted and you can go that. Correct. Yeah, if a
3: police officer is promoted to police sergeant, they, they, we would be moved out of the unit. We actually just had the, uh, uh, an individual, fortunate enough, out of a Newark here that was promoted on Monday.
0: Oh, good for him. Congratulations. That's good. So what, what's been the most challenging uh, aspect for you being part of this huge, uh, huge deal?
3: Um, I, I could definitely say it's probably been uh, the learning curve of understanding the intricacies of the Port Authority. Um, Anybody can come here off the street with, uh, you know, a tremendous amount of admin or public administration and uh, even time as a fire officer. But to learn all the different layers, I mean, it doesn't matter whether it's just the operational components of ARF. It's then working with our labor relations folks, uh, our human resources department, uh, our our police department. Um, How do you order paper? how do I get a computer fixed? How do I get my iPhone fixed? (laughs) I I mean, there there is a point of contact for everybody and it's not just sending a form, it's learning all of the procedures that are supposed to be done.
0: And all those department heads.
3: Uh, And all those department heads. So yes, it's forging relationships, understanding who you have to go to. Um, I don't want to say that people um, misguide you, uh, but there's a lot of self-learning. You you have to take it upon yourself to get out there. And I, I like to always tell people it's management by walking around. (laughs) Um, just staying behind the desk all day isn't going to work you you need to be able to walk around in order to manage your functions there and know who to go to to get things done in an orderly fashion because as with any government entity um, it it does take a lot to uh, to move things through uh, especially when you're trying to make change you're trying to get things done efficiently and you know how
0: well change goes over
3: (laughs) resistance to change at every (laughs) corner
0: especially you know especially with, with firemen and cops. Yeah. Very difficult. It, sh-
3: it certainly is. Yeah. And, and it's both on the career and the volunteer end. It, it absolutely, oh, absolutely is yeah. the truth. It doesn't
0: make a difference whether you get a paycheck or not. And,
3: and that's where it comes down to, where I say people have to adapt to their environment. The answer can't always be no, or it wasn't done this way. You know, things evolve. Uh, your response area changes. doesn't matter where you are. You need to be able to sit down, take in what you're hearing, even if what you're hearing is 100% garbage. You still need to be able to consider it filter through it what's important what's not and then actually provide feedback i think a lot of times of what you see uh, whether it's here or any other agency people don't receive the feedback and they don't understand why maybe you're not entertaining something or why something isn't working and i believe the educational piece going back and doing it in a respectful manner it's so important to forging an open environment where everybody feels included. That dialogue. Everybody, dialogue. Dialogue is the, the simplest terms to say it in there, yeah. and that feedback is critical there to just, wow, make everybody feel like they're putting just a, a percentage in.
0: Chief, I like to ask these questions of guys that, um, you know, get to your position, and that is how is the fire service different, in your opinion, this is just your opinion, how is the fire service different from when you started
3: to today? Wow, um, I know
0: it's a loaded question.
3: It, it is a loaded question, and uh, I think maybe I, I've seen a lot of this from uh, working in, in the fire academy setting, and, and even being a uh, you know being in the the fire service as as an officer in the volunteer side of it. I think we've lost a level of respect for uh, for our hierarchy and our paramilitary organization. And uh, I'm not speaking towards just the, the the Port Authority. I mean, we have a very well respected hierarchy here, um, and it's probably even more so reinforced because we're, it's a career end. I mean, these right. are people's livelihoods here. Uh, specifically in the, 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 the volunteer end, um, it's the disrespect of it. It's the entitlement of uh, I need to be a lieutenant in two years. Um, <laughs> I need to move up and be a chief. And, and unfortunately, you've seen some of this stuff. I'm not going to mention communities, but you just have to open up your eyes and take a look around. Um, and then there's even a level on some of uh, the it's a minority of our senior personnel who want to push some of the uh, young go-getters that are good away there. And I think that we need to take a step back in, in, in the fire service as a whole and just say, whoa, what are we doing to ourselves here? Because uh, as I had told the Red Bank Borough Council the other night, um, you, you could buy the fire department uh, five more trucks. Um, nobody's there to, uh, to man them anymore, um, and the staffing numbers aren't going up. Everything is going down, and, and as a matter of fact, our training requirements are going to be going up as, as we go through there. So the entitlement, maybe you, you wanna say it's the millennial generation, but then studies say no, you go back and forth on it. But there's just a, a lackadaisical, I don't care in studying, I don't wanna know, I don't wanna become a master of my craft, I just wanna carry around that uh, that title as firefighter and, and you give me everything for it. I wanna wear yeah. a cool shirt, I wanna go to Applebee's and get my discount, or I don't know what it may be. And I shouldn't uh, broad brush everybody like that right now, but uh, because, Many people aren't like that, but it only takes that little cancer cell that is in there, and, yes. and, and I slowly watch it degrade uh, places, and, and specifically, you know, even the volunteer departments that I have in my mind right now, I, I tell each and every one of them, when they're running good and you're having great times, enjoy it, because everybody has their ups and downs, and, and you're, you're one step away from somebody throwing a bomb in there, a new person being introduced, a new ego coming into the game, Um, and and if everybody was just on the same page and understanding the mission, I think we'd all be a lot better off there. And maybe the past was better. Um, It just seems like there was more cohesiveness, there was more uh, camaraderie, there was more respect for the organization as a whole in the fire service and more of a care uh, for serving the community. There's a lot of points that I I feel like we got away from that. Um, And people say that training may have done it, drives people away. I have to tell you, I think that the training's been a great thing. I, I, I think that we could go back and credit it to saving many lives and, and oh, keeping people out of that. harm's way. Not only
0: the c- civilians, but ourselves, you know, the
3: uh, Yes, and yeah, it goes both ways on that. Yeah. So, um, th- that's that's a hard question there, and um, there's a lot more, I guess, we could talk about on that. And we could really we could really drill down on oh, it. Yeah. But, and and yeah. I don't want to make it, I'm trying to be as objective as possible when I, when I talk about that and, and not out anything about uh, you know <laughs> what's yeah. in my head.
0: And I'm certainly not looking for that, but but my question really is, and my follow-up question to that is, what's your advice? What is your advice to a, a new guy or girl watching right now, and they, and they want to enter into the fire service, either career or volunteer?
3: So my, my, my advice is definitely you need to keep up with the education. You, you need to respect the environment that you're in. You know, there, there is a lot to be said about somebody who comes in and keeps their mouth shut and their ears open. And I'm not saying it to just say, listen to the guy berate you. I'm not saying that it should be hazed. Right. Look at what's going on, Taking the environment that you're in. You make your own judgments of people and just look forward. Remember why you're there. That person who is calling 911 is calling you because they have a really bad day going on. They need your help. Yeah. You arrive and the emergency is over. You have to remember that. And I tell each and every recruit that I have in every academy that I want you to do the best. I want you to remember my face and my voice in that moment of weakness, when you're in that worst situation, to pull you through. And if it's me you're pulling out of that house, I want you to get me out of that house. I want you to get my son, my wife, my father, wherever it is, cutting me out of the car, whatever it may be. You remember those points. Don't worry about the parties and the clicks or anything else. Remember about self-improvement the mission. Continuous improvement of yourself so you can provide the best service to that community. That is the most important things because no matter what, you're going to be exposed to some horrific leaders, terrible managers. I won't even call them chief officers or fire officers. You're going to be exposed to that. Unfortunately, that's going to be everywhere. Learn from those people of how you don't want to do it and just keep your eye on the ball there. And I promise you, good things will come to you.
0: That's really good advice. And and, uh, I think that's important for. Our young firefighters that are aspiring firefighters to see, to hear that kind of stuff because I 100% agree with yeah. you. I mean, chills, man, because it's exactly how <laughs> I feel, it, really. And and you you hit the mark because that's exactly how I feel. And I think a lot of people in our era, I guess if you will, all kind of are saying the same thing. Yeah. You know, it was
3: it was just vastly different. Yeah. I I don't know where we just went off the cliff with certain things. And yeah. and, and there are times in the cat. And again, I'm not knocking anything, but there are times where you're like. Well, there's hope like there, there's a lot of good things and for the majority of the time it's there but then when you see some yeah
0: what's interesting is you see now more than ever back when we were in our heyday volunteering you, you had let's say someone uh, a lieutenant's position mm-hmm. you had like 20 guys vying for that position yeah right
3: you and actually it, had competition
0: yeah now it's like eh. now like in some in not all places but there are some places where they have nobody that want to do it right and yeah. then they're like, but going to people you want to do it
3: you know and, and, and that's not it's not worth it. you need yeah. to have the drive, yeah uh, you know you do want the person who wants to be that lieutenant of course I, I don't want to see the person who has eighteen months on the job. I mean it shouldn't be happening on so many fronts, but uh, that's what you're seeing out there, or they just want it for the title, but there's more than it, the, just the title. I mean, I reviewed everything of what we do, you know the the lights and sirens is is the great part that's yeah. I don't want to minimize it in any fashion, It, it, it is a, there is a hard element to it, it's the easier part. Deal with some of the, the, the personnel stuff that's going on is, uh, you know, that's that's what's happening in firehouses nowadays and that's what has to be controlled. Yes, the viewers
0: that are watching right now who aren't firefighters or police officers or EMTs or anybody in the emergency services field, they just come here. They come to the EWR, they come yeah. to this airport and, they, and they're going to get on a flight and Chris and I kind of laughed because when we were out on the crash truck and we were you know, cruising around out there, it was a totally different perspective from, oh, when, yeah. from standing inside that terminal, looking out the windows to seeing what's going on out here. Of course it is. Um, what do you say to that commuter that's, that's out there? What do you say to them about what we do here, like what you do here and what you have to offer them?
3: You should feel very, very safe in what's going on out there. Um, Traveling uh, by air is the safest means of transportation, and I can tell you that the, the people that uh, are employed by the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey to provide this life-saving service, they're the best out there, yeah. all right? And, and the guys that are doing, the guys and the girls that are doing this work that are, are frontline operations people as uh, as firefighters and, and crew chiefs, uh, they are very well trained to get out there and get you. Uh, I, I can tell you that their training standards are above what's required of the FAA, and, uh, you know, We are looked at and and scrutinized in in a very good means. And uh, if something were to happen, I I promise you that everybody is doing their best to get you out. You are afforded the best chance of making it out on the better side of a scenario.
0: Yeah, with the professional staff that you have here, the, the, the amount of training you have here, the equipment.
3: That that you have here, yeah. These uh, these firefighting beasts (laughs) are are definitely very well equipped to handle the hazards that are thrown their way. So
0: you guys definitely have they're there. Yeah, you have great equipment. You 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 can rest
3: assured when you get on that aircraft that you've got the best coming to you.
0: And then I'm gonna I'm gonna follow that question up with another one, and that is. What's your message to your your employees here? What's your message to your firefighters? I mean, you this is your hour, this is your time. (laughs) What what do you say to them? Uh,
3: Well, going back to everybody, I'm I'm proud of this agency. Um, This agency really it magnifies patriotism and and service. The Port Authority Police Department has been struck with many terrorist events. I mean. We we look out. We can't see it right now because of the mist. But there we go, where the uh, Twin Towers once sat. Right. And uh, these men and women, most of have uh, were serving on 9/11. Um, you know, they know what public service is, and, and I couldn't be prouder to, to be standing next to them. And uh, you know. My background of uh, fire, uh, you know, I'm, I'm also a licensed pilot, and, and, and I served for about two years as a Federal Air Marshal, so I kind of embody what the Port Authority is in an aircraft rescue firefighter. I, I bring the elements of, I know what the flying side of it is, I know what the police officer side of it's like, and I definitely know what the firefighting side of it's like in serving all the capacities. And when I see that, I, I couldn't be prouder of the people that I'm around there. And understanding what the, their police department has been through, uh, what are people actually mean mm-hmm. i mean they are the they, they are the mecca i mean we look on the side of our truck we have the uh the world trade center 9-11 mm-hmm. memorial patch on there and that's that that's on purpose yeah that, mm-hmm. that's to remember you know what their brothers and sisters had done you know before them and and the sacrifice that they made and we're not going to forget that and nope. I couldn't have asked for a better place to be employed at and, and be a part of the team that we have here and work with the people and it goes even beyond that i mean uh, everybody that we work with i mean i i i, I most admire our acting deputy chief at Newark and Leithy Workus, and knowing hit the time that he's put in at uh, at Ground Zero after the, the towers had collapsed, and you know the personal effects that that happen along with that there, and and you get to see all that with these guys, and and to see that everybody still wants to go on and do it again. Yeah, the, the nobody love,
0: looks back. The love for this fire service is, is what really is like a punch to, this, to the to the gut. Man. It, it's amazing. It is. It really is amazing.
3: You're you're in you're you're really in Ground Zero of of loving public service and wanting to take on the next emergency and, and not caring what, what happens to you.
0: Yeah, you lose 37 members, and then you yeah. s- still have that desire and that passion to move forward and drive on and remember those remember those those lives in the back yeah. of your mind. They're always there, but you're always moving forward on your mission. Yeah. And th- that's powerful.
3: It is. You know? It really is. Yeah.
0: Well, Chief, listen, I, I can't thank you enough for allowing me to be, you know, Part part of your operation here and getting us, getting to
3: check things. <laughs> We've had out. a long
0: day. I, we we did well, have we a did. long day. You know it's uh, but I tell you, you know, being in the in the crash truck with those guys were they were great. I, I got to tell you, um, you know, I know I told you off camera also, but the time they took with us to show us around and and you know they care. They do. They really do. And, and they were they were both great. And uh, the sergeant had just graduated, correct?
3: Yeah, Sergeant Madigan just got out. Yeah, yeah just graduated. It's, it's fire fantastic school. to see that. Uh, it, 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 it's the result of the training, and it's great to see that we're able to validate that training and seeing what yeah. these guys are able to do. I mean, you coming in, you learned a lot from these guys. He's oh, absolutely fresh yeah. on the road just a couple months.
0: And one of the things I loved about what he said was he, he, he said, you know, you got that self-evaluation, which I, I use that word all the time. And he said, you know, I was kind of getting stagnant yeah. in, in my role with law enforcement and my role, you know, and I didn't want to feel that way. I didn't want to ever come to work and, and feel like I'm not – you know, How 100%. admirable! How admirable right. to, to go
3: self-evaluation, yeah. and self-improvement, continuous improvement. So I is, love it. What
0: does he do? He, he signs up to do more and, and, do more. and get more educated and, yeah. and become a firefighter. And I thought that was pretty cool. You yeah. know, it, you know, it's, it's that's a difficult thing to, to do. Absolutely.
3: But yeah, look was, in the mirror, huh? Yeah, it was good stuff. So,
0: chief, before you leave, I have some cool stuff for you. Oh. And And uh, you know, listen, when you come on the show, you got to get, you got to get
3: stuff. You got to get free stuff. You okay. got to get stuff.
0: So, the first thing I always give out is is our patch. So right. anybody who comes on the show, the only people who get them are wow. people on the show. I'm honored. There you go. So so yeah, so oh. those are from Eagle Emblems and Graphics. Uh, thank you guys, you. Sal, he's a phenomenal guy at Staten Island. <laughs> and then of course, decals of so Farmer all of Oh love de- yeah. Everyone loves decals. So you got a, a Penicu sticker right. for your for your lid. You got you one of our new decals and those, this this here is from Elite Blue Line emergency, emergency Lighting. They have a graphics division now, so they made awesome. this for me. And of course, uh, if you have, if I say of course, because for us it's just like second nature, but there's an organization called Next Rung. You're
3: very familiar with them on Facebook. There you
0: go. So we give this, uh, if you would just keep this here for the guys Absolutely. And in the house. And then uh, I have their new one here, which is called The Real Talk, and it just has some additional resources on it. Okay. And also from Next Rung, Blake wanted me to give you a, a wristband and a uh-huh. pen
3: We'll put this wristband on now. Nice. I'm wearing
0: mine. And from me, I have. Uh, I wanted to give you our new T-shirts. And these are No One Fights Alone, kind of with the mission we were talking about earlier, just being prepared, the preparedness, started firefighting. So that's for you, bro. Admirable. Thank you very much. And, of course, that comes with Patika Thank
3: you very much. <laughs> so and, you and, and
0: all kind of swag.
3: And, of course, listen, what, what's not giving you a patch? So... We're going to give you this patch. This actually, awesome. I, I wore that on my shoulder once. I don't know why I had it in my uh, glove box, but I did. <laughs> but I figure no better person to go to than you. Thank you. I so appreciate thank it. Thank you very much. I o- appreciate A this. worn
0: patch is always better than a,
3: an, a patch. <laughs> no patch yeah, at all. No
0: sitting there. Thank you so much. Well, here you have it, folks. Uh, another episode of Pin the Cube Podcast. We've been trying to send you some different content. And what other uh, different is this? This is pretty different. So from Newark International Airport, EWR. Thank you, Chief, for having us. Thank you. Port Authority from New York and New Jersey. Stay safe, be careful, and look out for each other. So long.
3: Thank you for listening to another Pin the Cube production. Be
0: sure to like and subscribe on all social media platforms, Instagram,
3: Facebook, and YouTube. For more information on Pin the Cube productions, visit www.pinthecube dot com.